The Mueller probe is finished, but Democrats say the investigation is far from over. Today, we hear from Indiana Congressman Andre Carson, who says impeachment isn't off the table. Plus, state senator and Republican mayoral candidate Jim Merritt reacts to the mayor's State of the City address. And we'll talk about the Indiana impact of a Supreme Court ruling on abortion. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Pressure is mounting in the nation's capital as Congress returns to work. The House Speaker is still pushing back against the idea of impeachment. But those calls could be getting louder after these remarks from now former special counsel Robert Mueller. If we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. So he said, essentially, you're innocent. I'm innocent of all charges. And you know, the thing that nobody brings up, there was no crime. They're saying he's obstructing something and there was no crime. Many constituents want to impeach the president, but we want to do what is right and what gets results. In a statement, the vice president's office said, quote, Mueller confirmed the investigation is complete. While some Democrats may cling to discredited allegations, the American people can be confident this administration will continue to focus on making our nation stronger, safer and more secure. And from presidential candidate and South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, this is as close to an impeachment referral as it gets. Mueller could not clear the president nor charge him, so he's handed the matter to Congress. This week, I spoke with Indiana Congressman Andre Carson. How much impact will Mueller's remarks have on this entire process, on your work in the Intelligence Committee? And is he essentially telling you and other lawmakers that this is all up to Congress now? Seems to be so. I think that uh, Director Mueller, he, he tends to be an institutionalist. Um, I think that uh, he's dedicated to the mission of uh, the Justice Department and especially the, the, the special counsel. I think that while he has been reluctant to agree to appearing before Congress, if he does agree, I think he'll stick to the script and stick to the, the narrative that exists in his report and in, in his findings. And so I think being an institutionalist, he understands that Congress is a co-equal separate branch of government uh, that has a responsibility to investigate the extent of Russia's influence in our electoral process, as well as look at impeachment as an option. You mentioned impeachment there. Last summer you told me we'd possibly met the standard for impeachment. Since then you've been a bit more reluctant on that topic, Mm. echoing the the speaker on that issue. Does the special counsel statement, though, put more pressure on uh, Speaker Pelosi, and does it change your view at all on the issue of impeachment? I don't think it puts more pressure on Speaker Pelosi. I think it really reaffirms our responsibility as a separate branch of government, a co-equal branch of government. The Founding Fathers, they, they, they were very visionary, and I say it all the time, in setting up three separate but equal branches of government to act as a check and balance. Uh, And so the responsibility rests on our shoulders. We'll see a series of hearings from the Financial Services Committee, the Oversight Committee, the Judiciary Committee, and certainly the Intelligence Committee, uh, bringing in additional witnesses and getting to the root uh, of of this whole fiasco. Out of the 200-plus Democrats in Congress, there are around 40 members who are firm on the impeachment question. Uh, There are other members who um, think we should move forward with other agenda items. 
And so this this impeachment discussion is you count yourself um, at this moment? A majority opinion. Well, you know, I don't think we should rule out impeachment at all. But I don't I don't think we should get distracted with the impeachment question because the taxpayers and our constituents really want us to do the work. All right, Congressman Andre Carson speaking with us there. You can see more of that interview on our website. We're also talking about the race for mayor here in Indianapolis today. In a moment, we'll hear from State Senator Jim Merritt. First, our Courtney Crown recaps Mayor Joe Hogsett's State of the City address. During the State of the City address, Mayor Joe Hogsett announced a concept to take projected income taxes and put them into a regional infrastructure fund. The concepts that you will find there do not redirect one dime of revenues currently enjoyed by our city or by our neighbors. All counties in the nine county region would pay 1% of their local income tax rate to the infrastructure fund. That pool of money would give the biggest chunks to the counties most traveled. Some counties will end up giving more than they receive and it all depends on the traffic on their road. State Senator Jim Merritt is challenging Hogsett to become the next mayor of Indianapolis. Merritt called this idea half-baked. I've said numerous times that we need a comprehensive evaluation of all our streets, all of our infrastructure. But Hogsett, Merritt and neighbors agree something must be done with the roads. I talk about it all the time, how horrible the roads are. It could be dangerous too trying to dodge these, the potholes or the bumps in the road. All right, we're joined now by state senator and Republican mayoral candidate Jim Merritt. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank today. you, Dan. We appreciate it. want to get your reaction to the mayor's state of the city address and specifically this plan to get other counties to help pay for our roads here in Indy. Well, I think we all can agree that the roads are a mess in Marion County, but you've crossed 96th Street into Hamlin County, not so much. They take very good care of their infrastructure. And, uh, and a regional development authority is something we've been working on for a little while now at the, at the legislature and focusing in on central Indiana. But if you look at just uh, northwest Indiana, theirs took a Republican governor, Mitch Daniels, to come in and establish it with the legislature. And 14 years later, they're doing very, very well. Uh, but it's, it took a long time. And it's not just infrastructure. It's, it's homeland security. It's economic development. And it's a teamwork. It's a partnership. You have to, when you're mayor of Indianapolis, you have to reach out to your partners, uh, mayors and, and, and those that are in counties surrounding Marion County. You don't think he has enough buy-in for this? No, I don't think right you have buy-in. And it's also, it's not as simple as what he's talking about. What would you do differently? What's your plan when it comes to roads? Well, for, uh, well, for roads, uh, with the Regional Development Authority, I would be talking, and I have been talking with all the mayors of Central Indiana, and talking about the needs of each county, each city, each town. Uh, but with, with the roads in particular, we need uh, a, a, a team of civil engineers, uh, and this will happen in January 2020 when I'm mayor of Indianapolis, a team of civil engineers to uh, reevaluate all streets and infrastructure in Marion County. And as you know, NDOT looks at all bridges in the state of Indiana every two years in every county. So it's really principally streets and looking at those and coming to us and saying, how can we bring all streets to good condition? What's going to cost and how long is it going to take? And have all transparency 
and not just Band-Aids, and, and, and not half-baked type of programs. When it comes to this campaign and fundraising, you're trailing uh, significantly <laughs> in the race. What will it take for you to truly mount a, a competitive campaign here? When you're talking about fundraising, I believe uh, I'll raise a million to million three. Uh, the mayor will have a lot more than that. But um, I think as, as my constituents in District 31 know, um, I, am a, I am the hardest worker in uh, politics and, and uh, it's all about communication, it's all about collaboration and uh, we will get our message across and when we get our message across it'll be a winning message and that'll, uh, that'll bring us to victory in November. Uh, you were asked uh, this past week about some of your votes in the in the state Senate uh, on this abortion bill, for instance, oh, yeah. that mm -hmm. went all the way to the Supreme Court sure. this week and some other issues. Uh, you said you stand by your votes. In response to that, the Hogsett uh, campaign put out a statement this past week saying, quote, you've spent the last six months hoping Indianapolis forgets about what that record reflects from RIFRA to votes not to allow gun-free workplaces and schools to uh, work on legislation allowing pharmacists to deny women birth control. They say Senator Merritt has consistently embraced views that are out of step with Indianapolis, in their words. What's your response to that? Well, first of all, um, in my 29 years, I have been incredibly accessible, number one. And two, uh, every, uh, every year I go door to door either for candidates uh, or for myself. And so I, I talk to a lot of people and uh, I have learned a great deal from District 31 and the 130,000 people that reside there. And you talk about issues that, that, that uh, impact people. And um, I have my philosophies, I've got my principles, but I also have had an open mind. And uh, I think I am paid to have an open mind and listen to people. And my mind has been changed. And uh, I think that's what people uh, want is a politician to actually learn about positions and, and, and tendencies and, and feelings and, and adopt that when, um, when appropriate. And I, and I have learned and I've changed. And uh, I think people, when they look at my record over the last 29 years and leadership and the ability to be the face of Indianapolis and tell the story of Indianapolis, I believe they'll vote for me. You said you've changed your mind. Uh, what issues specifically, I guess? Well, I, I look, at, look at the, um, the bias crimes, the hate crimes issue. Um, I stand by my, my vote in the early 2000s that I voted against it. But the more we learn, the more people I get to know, uh, the more that I felt like Indiana needs a substantial hate crimes law. We don't have it now. Uh, the legislature passed and the governor signed, and we're off the list. But I, I do believe that it, I, we need a list. And, and uh, in 2017 and this year, I, I changed my vote. And I thought it was... Um, I thought it was the right thing to do. I believe in it, and my constituents believe in it. All right, State Senator Jim Merritt, I know we'll be talking with you a lot between now and Election Thank Day. You, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we'll hear from another state lawmaker who may be considering a run for governor next year. And the Supreme Court rules on an abortion bill signed into law by then-Governor Pence, but declines to take up another case from Indiana. Up next, the VP's reaction, and Bob Donaldson talks with our panel after the break. Welcome back to In Focus. I'm Bob Donaldson here with our panel today, Executive Director of Women for Change Indiana, Rima Shahid, 
Also, 2016 vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and our friend political columnist, Tim Swarns. Thank you all for joining us. Let's go ahead and start. Um, here in Indy, the mayor's uh, state of the state, as we saw, his nine-county plan to pay for roads. The question is, is this really a feasible plan? And, and Tim, let's go ahead and, and give some, some background on this. This is not the first time that this concept has has come down the pike. It, it, it's not, and give Mayor Hogsett credit for having a plan. Uh, at the same time, it's probably a plan that does not have a future. It's, it's essentially a non-starter in the General Assembly. Were you surprised that, that the uh, reaction was as immediate as it was? N not at all, because uh, Mayor Fadness was one of the more outspoken uh, critics of, of the move. Uh, Mayor Fadness has been working on this issue behind the scenes for a couple of years now, um, and so, I think he felt a little bit uh, legs cut out from underneath him that the mayor went public on this. At the same time, the mayor's in an election camp, re-election campaign, and he needed a plan. Okay, Tony, is this a commuter tax by any other name? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and, and what's even more uh, problematic, I think, for Mayor Hogsett is that he's coming out with this plan in year four of his administration. He's trying to uh, sell to the, the, the residents of Indianapolis that he's a new candidate. He's not. They know that he's been the mayor and he should have had a plan, uh, several plans for running the city uh, in year one and now it's year four and so it's really disingenuous I think. Well, Rima, your, your reaction, I mean, what, what is the, uh, the motivation for the mayor to come out with this plan now? I, um, I applaud the mayor with the plan. I think it's a very ambitious plan. I think that he shared some of his accomplishments, some of the things that he's brought for the city for the citizens, and I think that it's a good plan and a good start um, to lay out an infrastructure for our future. Well, is this the type of thing that is going to get a dialogue going, which in fairness is one of the things that, that the mayor said about the plan? I think so. I mean, it has all of us talking, and I think it has the people, you know, citizens and from the central donut counties talking, so I think that this is a good start. Is that as far as it's going to go, though, Tony? Just, yeah, just I think he's got to have it. He, yeah, he didn't sell it. He should have been out selling it. Um, or at least privately to, to those mayors and, and leaders in the counties around, uh, he didn't do that. Well, it's up to the General Assembly to make a decision, and the General Assembly will not convene again until after the election in November. Yeah. Is this going to have any impact on the mayor's race, do you think? It helps take a little bit of an issue off the table. The mayor can say he does have a plan. Again, nothing's going to happen with it at the earliest until January. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. Also this week, the Supreme Court makes a ruling on an abortion case from Indiana that then-Governor Mike Pence signed into law three years ago. Justices are upholding the part of the law that requires clinics to bury or cremate fetal remains, but the court rejected the state's appeal of a previous ruling that blocked a ban on abortions motivated by sex, race, or disability. The Supreme Court, of course, will likely see more abortion cases coming its way. Eight states, as we've seen it passed, more restrictive abortion laws so far this year. Rima, what's your reaction to, to what the Supreme Court did and its impact here in Indiana? Um, it's been a hard week for Hoosier women. I think it's very unfortunate. Um, and I find it interesting that SCOTUS um, ruled a case without hearing any oral hearings. You know, um, most of Indiana, I think a large majority, I think 95% of Indiana counties, we do not have clinics. And ma majority of women live in those counties. You know, I think these are steps to try to um, stigmatize abortion. And this is our 
right. In fairness, the uh, the court said that because there was not a split in the decision in the lower court decision, that they did not uh, make a written ruling on it. Right. But but Tony, I mean, th this is a, sort of a mixed signal from the court, is it not? I think it is. Um, I think what they're saying um, on the one issue is that they need to hear more from appellate courts around the country as this becomes more and, and, and more of an issue. And then on the, the burial of the, of the remains, I think that's a win for the pro-life side uh, because it does show that the court is recognizing that this is a life, that this is a baby and it needs to, deserves the dignity of a proper burial. Tim, I want to get your input on this as well. But before, let's go ahead and talk about Vice President Mike Pence. He tweeted about this issue saying, as governor, uh, of Indiana. I was proud to sign the law. Today's decision by the Supreme Court was a victory for life. But as we mentioned, more controversies on the horizon when it comes to abortion and the courts. But Tim, does this give an indication that the court maybe does not have the, uh, the inclination at this point to take on Roe v. Wade? Uh, I think there are even more difficult uh, rulings to come uh, when they have to uh, take up the Georgia law, for example, the Alabama law, the Louisiana law, and whatever other states make these moves in coming months. Um, and that will be the real test on whether the court upholds Roe v. Wade. I think, the, the, to me, one of the interesting things that Tony pointed out is the court seems to be taking an indication here that uh, this is human life that has to be disposed of in a, in a dignified and proper way. That's, that's what this is really about. It's about the messaging, and the court seemed to side with that message. Well, I mean, the, the, the decision was made um, about what happened after an abortion happens, not something that happens before an abortion would happen. Correct, Rima? That's correct, and I, and I think that there, this is an un, unfair burden that, that they're placing on these clinics that are already severely underfunded. Um, I think that it's a question of, of cells and tissues, uh, you know, in many instances, and I, and I disagree. Well, that, that's, what the, that's what the debate is over. Is it cells and tissues or is it human life? And that's what we've been divided on in this country for more than 40 years. All right, Tony, before we move on, I want to get your opinion on, on one other issue that was in the news. In the news this week, remarks this week by Robert Mueller. We heard from uh, Congressman Carson <laughs> earlier in the program. So the question is, what impact will Mr. Mueller's statements have, Tony, in your view? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> first of all, uh, you know, the, 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 I, myself, and, and several millions of people, maybe more than half the country, I think, thinks this was a, a phony case to be brought in the first place. Now, what we're seeing is Robert Mueller helping Democrats by giving them some more ammunition to carry on uh, the, the fight in Congress. That's not his job as a prosecutor. His job was to find if there was anything, uh, any crimes committed. He couldn't do that. So the president is exonerated, but he, probably from pressure from the Democrat uh, folks that are pushing impeachment, went out uh, on a limb where he had no reason to because he, he uh, stood by the report. He didn't say anything new, and the report's been out there now for a while. So, you know, I think, again, it uh, started as a sham. It ends as a sham as far as his role in it. Rami, your reaction? Um, I think that the investigation should continue. He did not say that the president is not guilty, and I think that we have reason, um, and the American people, do, you know, they deserve to know what, what's going on, and the investigation should continue. Certainly puts more pressure on the House leadership. Uh, it, it, all of this rests with the House. Democrats control the House. Nancy Pelosi has held the line on impeachment so far. Uh, Robert Mueller's comments this week put a little more pressure on her. She's certainly not the only person 
that is saying that the Democratic Party does not need to get into this a year before an election. Um, she's, she is shielding the Democratic candidates to a certain extent with this, um, but there's increased pressure on her now and on others uh, to have a much broader discussion of possible impeachment. Well, late this week, Nancy Pelosi seemed to be uh, you know, moving at least in the impeachment direction, maybe not immediately, but but uh, sometime down the road. Okay, we're going to have to leave it at that. Up next, looking ahead to 2020, we'll uh, talk with a State House Democrat who's been mentioned as a possible candidate for governor. Is she planning to take on Governor Holcomb? We'll ask her coming up next. Another presidential candidate will make a stop in the Hoosier State next week. Senator Elizabeth Warren will hold a town hall Wednesday in Fort Wayne and also make a stop in Elkhart. With 2020 around the corner, Indiana Democrats need to find a candidate to go up against Governor Eric Holcomb next year. This past week, Dan sat down with one Democrat who's been mentioned as a possible candidate for governor, State Representative Carly Macer. Is it something you're considering? Well, I, I am considering it. It is um, an opportunity that I think that is really needed in the way that I would love to possibly take the work that I've been able to do in House District 92 and expand that around the state. And nothing definite at all, but certainly just thrilled to have an opportunity to be at the table for the conversation. Former State Health Commissioner Dr. Woody Myers also considering a run for governor. We'll have much more next week and on our website. Stick around, we'll be right back to wrap things up after this. Okay, time now for this week's winners and losers. Tim, we'll start with you. Uh, my losers are all of us who have investments in our 401ks or other retirement plans in the stock market with what's happened in the last two weeks. Because of, of uh, President Trump's uh, tariffs and threats of further tariffs, we're losing a lot of money. Well, we'll see if those tariffs actually happen, at least the ones as far as Mexico are concerned. Yeah, Tim, Tim just made me change my pick. I was going to pick Bob Mueller as the loser, but, but I've also already talked about that. So I will pick President Trump as the winner because he's doing something on this issue. And even if he is facing all kinds of obstruction from Democrats and, and some of the, the, the liberals in the courts, uh, he is still trying, and the American people realize that and will reward him for that. All right, Rima, just a couple of seconds. Winners that are always Hoosier women, um, despite what's happening here in the state and nationwide, Indiana women on the ballot in 2019 and Indiana women that will be on the ballot in 2020 for statewide and uh, federal bids here. All right. Always we appreciate women. your time. Thank you all for being with us. Thanks again for joining us for In Focus. We'll see you right again, right here again next Sunday on In Focus. <laughs>